available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. <laughs> Together, we are the Podcast <laughs> of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. This is getting, take two of getting, our intro. Yeah, get, getting stupid out of the gate already. We're really we are. It. Yeah, I think it's because it's uh, it's Star Wars Day. Happy uh, May the Fourth, Dave. Yeah, May May the Fourth be with you. Uh, yeah. I guess. Are you, that's, you're not bigger than that. Yeah. No, no, no. I think it's all very, very. Uh, Weird. And also, I got to say, um, just the 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 unending nightmare that was Rise of Skywalker. Was that the name of that thing? Was oh, the, that the, the name of the movie? Yeah, the... was it Rise of Skywalker? I don't remember. I don't God, remember what an what awful name. Um, but that was that was such a just an unending nightmare of a movie uh, that my whole feeling on the entire thing is just yeah, I'm, I'm fine forgetting it for like 10 years. That's if they wanted to do something like what they did after the prequels and just forget about it for like another eight or nine years, that's fine. Just we don't need any more. We, we've done enough. Well, we can get back to it. Well, later. I like the Mandalorian. Like, I want more of that stuff. That's fine. Yeah. No, like if you want to do like a TV show. Cool. But like, I don't need any of the big tentpole movies anymore. Okay. That one was really bad. They seem to have really bad instincts for who they want telling these stories. So just maybe just calm that down for a little while. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's a that's a really cheery Mary the Fourth intro from David Woods. Uh, we are <laughs> gonna talk some Pac-12 football because you know we're in quarantine. We're everyone's going stir crazy. Beaches here in Southern California are packed, even though the governor closed them down. We had bioluminescence out there, Dave. I don't know if you saw that. It's beautiful. You're not allowed to go down and take a look at it at the beach, but people were. Uh, maybe I did. I'm not going to say, but I did. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, then cops came. And so that wasn't good, but, uh, it's beautiful. We can't go on these big, beautiful beaches. So I think people are going a little stir crazy right now. They need more POC in their life, Dave. They really do. They really do. I saw images of the, uh, the beautiful waves from my abode in Georgia it made me long for the days of, uh, of, of beach living. No, it didn't. It didn't. I hate the beach. I actually hate the sand. <laughs> Uh, and not, to, not to, well, not to steal a line from Attack of the Clones, but it it it's coarse. It gets everywhere, you know. Like uh-huh. I, I don't like walking on sand. Like the feel of it, like under shoes. Like if you're walking with like your even your flip flops on or whatever, I don't want that. No, that's not good. Don't like that feel. It's don't like meant that to be sound. Barefoot. No, the texture is just not good. I don't like sand. Sand's bad. <laughs> if all beaches could just be mud, uh-huh. that'd be cool. But the thing is, it never just becomes mud. It's always got that little crunch feel to it, and I don't want that. Yeah. 
Well, if you're first time listening, welcome. This is what we do. Uh, we, we don't talk about back to football. Uh, we didn't have a ton of topics today. We're going to talk about the name, image, and likeness stuff with NCAA up at the top of the show. If you have quite, we got a bunch of your questions, so we'll get to those. Uh, Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Uh, you could text us or call us at 424-532-0678. Please tweet us at Pac-12 podcast. Uh, the website is packedwellpodcast.com where you can find all the old episodes, links to everything up there. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. Give us a rating. Five stars are awesome. You guys have been great about rating us. We appreciate that. And we also have a Reddit page, uh, reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. I don't know. Do we have any new uh, reviews up on the Apple Podcast page, Dave? Not last I checked, um, which was yesterday, because I check that frequently. Oh, because okay. all I all I do is just I want to I want to see and and read things about us. Um, that's my main priority. Um, mm. Well, actually, no, we do have a new one. This one was maybe a th- so Apple reviews does a weird thing, where the reviews that are newest go at the very very bottom of the list, and then it's only after a day or so that they pop to the top. So oh. This is from uh, Scott MG fan. Ryan's the best. This is the perfect podcast to pass time while driving. Ryan has a great work ethic and is always well prepared. He's the kind of guy you would like to have a beer with. I found it's best to listen to Dino either on double speed to get through it or on half speed so it sounds like he's drunk and get a laugh out of it. I'm sure nobody complains about the social distancing rules when it comes to him. So Scott dropping some heat, dropping wow. some heat, some fiery that might bombs. Be my, my favorite review ever, I think. Yeah. Oh, actually, there's another one. Okay, so this is from one creator. It's another good one for you. You rock, Ryan. Ryan, thank you for all the production value that you bring to the podcast and the excellent reporting work that you do. Dave, thanks for showing up. Keep up the great work, gentlemen, and thank you for keeping us Pac-12 college football fans entertained. Fight on. Nice. So a good uh, well, that, day, a mean, good day for Ryan Abraham. <laughs> it's pretty good. I like this. I'm happy in quarantine day number 500 or whatever we're in. Yeah. Um, thank you for the reviews. Yeah, please leave them out. And you know, David does does bring a lot to this podcast. So I'm not, you know, sure I do a lot, lot more. But he, David brings a lot. You know, I think, right? Do I um, or do you not really? Not really. No, I would I would say like on the like percentage <laughs> scales, right? Like if we're assessing how much each person brings to the show, I'd say I'm 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 above a negligible. I'm like probably at about three and a half percent, which no, is really see, something because yeah, I probably talk for sixty percent of the time of the show. <laughs> yeah, it was funny today. We didn't. I didn't have my normal stuff prepared because there's been a lot of stuff going on and then we were just kind of scrambling the very beginning so if that's if the show suffers that's why uh, but no david brings all his knowledge all his wit and it's the chemistry between us is why people listen and that's why it just works so that's our dynamic so whatever it is if i have to do all the prep and dave just shows up and and bees himself that's that's just what we do that's what works for us so i'm you not going to s- complain about it you you sound like you're at like the bad end of an abusive relationship right now. <laughs> and I I, 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 I feel for you, but I can't, I can't quite do anything about it. Like I can't quite, you know, fix the like basics of the relationship, but I feel for you. Gotcha. Um, 
you promise you're never going to beat me again. But then, promise, as soon as, soon as the cops go home. I'm not going to let you down again, except <laughs> the next time and maybe several million times after that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you're going to have an opportunity to uh, bring a little something extra this week. Uh, so this is May the 4th, May the 7th, 6 p.m. May the Pacific 7th be with time. you. Yes, no, no. Uh, that's the Star Trek day, maybe. I don't know. But it's uh, May the 7th, 6 p.m. Pacific. We are going to have a Zoom meeting of the Podcast of Champion folks, like the listeners out there. So do you uh, want to email us? want to read off the URL right now? Yeah, it's uh, US0. No, we're not going to do that. But email us. We'll send you the link. We've sent, I've emailed a few people. Anyone that emailed us already, uh, I've emailed you the link to the uh, the podcast. I think I've DM'd a couple people can't, on Twitter. If you want to send us the, a DM, can't we just give them the meeting ID and the password right now? Like, does it matter? Uh, we could do that. Sure. Yeah. Me- yeah, I guess so. We could do that. Meeting ID 847. 847- Four six six one eight eight one seven, and the password is zero two five one nine one. We will also put that up on our website, but we'll send out individual. Or should we put it up on the website? You're not supposed to do that, right? Um, I have no idea, we can, man. We can put a link up there. We'll put a link up on our website. We're we gonna get crashed. If we got crashed, it'd be fun, you know. Wouldn't that be great? The guy that started, yeah, like some some like Chinese hacker came in and started posting like gay porn or something like that would be that would make our call even more interesting it would be perfect for the podcast i think it would be ideal honestly i would i would be upset if it doesn't happen (laughs) all right so we'll post it up on uh pac12podcast.com we'll email anyone that uh would request it and uh dm us on twitter at pac12podcast we'll send it out we'd love to get a group of people together chatting Uh, i think shane confirmed um uh john and brea confirmed um i'll have to look i haven't checked the email lately but we'll see if there's other people that confirmed out there uh i haven't seen hitler day if he's if he's going to be in but we might have an email i haven't looked at the email yet so maybe he sent an email but uh, i will send out this link to anyone that emails us if you would like to be a part of it thursday may the 7th at 6 p.m pacific bring your favorite alcoholic beverage or non-alcoholic beverage for the non drinkers yeah. out there. Yeah. Or we your might, favorite food we might encourage for the, you to for, drink. The, for the non non drinkers at all. Those who just take their water via food, just bring your favorite food. Yeah. Bring your favorite melon. Um, you know, whatever. Dave, where are you gonna be? Are you gonna be maybe you should go down to like some Atlanta landmark and just do it from there. Maybe I will. I, I've got the setup on my <laughs> MacBook Pro where I can give you any background that Google Image Search provides. So I could Ooh. I could be wherever. I could be on top of a mountain, whatever I, I want to be. Very nice. Uh, yeah. Well, I hope you guys can join us. Check that out. Uh, I think it was smart last week, David. We said, let's do next Thursday. So that gives us a little time. We got to promote it a little bit. And now we actually get a show talking about the very specifics of the meeting. So I'm looking forward to this one. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of working out and drinking on Zoom. So let's do, I'll do a little workout in the morning, do a little drinking in the evening with all of our POC uh, faithful. Um, so since we last spoke, David, there was the report. So it was on Wednesday, I believe, of last week. The NCAA uh, announced it accepted recommendations on how best to update update its rules 
on, on NIL, which is name, image, and likeness uh, compensation. So they, they've expected this for a while. Um, all the states have passed, or a lot of states, not all of them, a lot of states have passed individual legislation that would allow student athletes to profit from their NIL. Um, but the what what the NCAA did is they had a working group that was headed up by uh, Val Ackerman uh, from the Big East. He's the Big East commissioner. And then Ohio State's athletic director, Gene Smith, on how to implement uh, the update. So we're not going to know. These are going to go into effect the 2020-2021 academic year. Um, you know, so... And there's laws that are coming into play. California's, the first one that passed, is until January of uh, 2023. But Florida's, I believe, is in the middle of t- or 2021. So that's kind of when this has to be you know, all adopted. And it's really more about the NCAA trying to get like kind of a federal exemption so they, all the states don't come after them. That they're, hey, we're going to pass our version of this. So tell all the states to back off kind of thing. Um, I don't know. This is a long way away from happening, but I uh, wanted to get your initial thoughts on all of this. Um, it kind of depends. I mean, devil's in the details on what ends up coming of it, um, but it's definitely a move. I mean, the whole thing has been a move in the right direction. It's a question of are they going to get some sort of exemption that makes it a much less all-encompassing program that keeps money out of the hands of athletes to the extent that it would be under like certain state laws? Because I know California's was potentially going to be pretty significant. Um, are they going to do something less than that? Um, and we don't really know clarity on all the details yet, right? This is not going to be a thing until January. I think that's what the report said. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, there. I think there's going to be another a round of this or whatever. But it's, as of right now, it's just they've accepted, uh, you know, these recommendations and then they got to implement everything. And I think a lot of it is just, Hey, what is the federal government going to do? Will it give the NCAA some kind of protection from all the different States? And like you said, some States laws go further than others. Um, I don't think the NCAA is going to go that far. I mean, like boosters can get involved. There's like some, definitely some interesting aspects to it, but we just don't know. Is that going to be enough? Is it, is is Florida going to say, Nope, we're going to do our law and you screw you. Um, so I, yeah, that's uh, it's going to definitely be interesting how this, you know, uh, unfolds. Yeah, and it's it's a net good, and I hope it turns out to be uh, uh, significantly to the benefit of the athletes. Um, if it's you know largely directed by the NCAA, it likely won't be. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun to figure it out and see how it goes. But um, yeah, it was uh, interesting timing. Um, I, I don't know if this was this the timeline initially mandated or was this just them trying to get ahead of, you know, potentially some very bad news for the NCAA coming up in the next. Oh, I don't know. However long it takes for um, people to realize that college football season is going to be impacted by this. Yeah, I don't know. I th- I think we've been waiting for this for a little while. Um, so I don't know what the exact timeline was supposed to be, but, you know, happening during uh the quarantine and all this stuff. I, I feel like they just need to get out in front of it's going to be a nightmare if every state is coming after the NCAA for different things. And, you know, some player at Florida State just starts uh, posting Instagram videos and getting paid on it. And the, the rest of the country isn't doing, you know, that's I think that's is what the NCAA is trying to avoid. But there's, a, you know, that obviously that's a potential divide, right, with everything that's going on and 
we don't know which schools are going to benefit the most. I'm actually writing a story about, you know, being in Los, Los Angeles, is there going to be some kind of uh, extra benefit that, you know, you're in Hollywood. Like if you're at USC, USC, UCLA, do you want to go there because you, you know, you have a budding entertainment career and you can get more money for your Instagram followers by posting songs you do or whatever. I mean, things like that. Like, could there be advantages over kids going to Los Angeles schools or maybe even like Rutgers, you know, near New York, as opposed to, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and there might be better benefits for, you know, maybe like the the backup left guard gets a car dealership in Lincoln, Nebraska, because they, they just want to sponsor anybody that has anything to do with Nebraska football. Where Los Angeles, they don't really care about you unless you're like the star player. So there's all these different aspects of this that we just don't know. And obviously we need the, the real specifics, but it, you want to talk about making things even. I don't know if you can allow players to get money off their name, image, and likeness and keep it even because there's just such different situations depending on which school you go to. Yeah. and I, But I think that's the reality. I mean, the, the, the way I keep thinking about it, the way I keep coming back to it is the reality is it's not even now. Um, you know, guys end up with bigger programs end up with bigger brand names and it makes guys more likely to go to those programs. Um, and that can in a lot of ways be location specific or league specific. And you're not going to have even Steven between a lot of these things. The resources that go to LSU are different from the resources that go to Oregon state. And that's always going to be true. Um, now this changes it. So individual athletes might be seeing the benefit of those resources monetarily a little bit different, but significantly so i mean lsu is already cheating for players uh to a much greater extent than oregon state is um that's just the reality um so they're already getting more money um so i don't know that it it's i don't know that it's changing the fundamentals of the sport that much i think it's just redistributing the 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 gains a little bit better between you know the actual core stakeholders the players um because before you know, in any situation as it's been right now, they are either getting illegal handouts or whatever, um, cheating handouts um, via recruiting, or they're getting whatever the university decides to dole out as part of the, you know, tuition, room, board, all that kind of stuff. This way, they might actually get something for, you know, just who they are specifically versus just their, you know, their scholarship. Um, so, it's a good, um, and I think it. I, I think all the inequality stuff between the different programs. I think that stuff's already baked into the process, so I don't. I don't see that being a significant problem um, going forward. Yeah, um, the uh, the thing that you'll like, David, is that they put guardrails in there just for now. So you know, uh, just potential things are like, wait, pump your brakes. You can't do anything you want. So they call them guardrails, which are kind of funny, but. Any compensation received by a student-athlete for NIL activities, uh, it has to represent a genuine payment for the use of their name, image, and likeness and not just disguised as a pay for athletics participation. So I think there's there's things like that where if, if is your signature worth 100 bucks? Well, if someone tries to give you $50,000 for your signature, then that, there, things like that I think are going to be in play. The schools can't. Uh, play a role the conferences so like if you're um, Joshua Kelly last year you couldn't be wearing a UCLA jersey what you're doing but you could you know you could be well, Joshua so, Kelly you just couldn't be yeah so this gets into something very stupid um, because if so not to be 
incredibly reductive. But if Joshua Kelly's signature is worth $50,000 to one person, guess what? Joshua Kelly's signature is worth $50,000 because that person yeah. was willing to pay for it. It's, I mean, I, I, I love the idea of that guardrail. Um, and by love, I mean, I think it's very stupid. But the actual execution <laughs> of implementing that guardrail also seems like it's impossible. Unless they're going to get into, like, really up their own assholes, like, market analysis of these different things. Okay, I'm a car dealership. This kid's face is on the wall in my dealership. That is of value to me. Who are you, the NCAA, to tell me it's not? You yeah. know what I mean? No, yeah, I get I put his poster on the wall. He is endorsing us. I am now giving him $100,000. I, I don't know. I, I don't see a way that they would actually have an enforcement on that, except in the already extremely capricious way that they enforce all of their rules. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's exactly what I'm talking about with the NCAA. It's going to end up being something very dumb, very capricious. They're going to punish certain things and certain people outsized compared to others. It'll be all very silly when they could just make this pretty free and easy. Um, and yeah. I don't think it would exacerbate. I don't think it would exacerbate anything beyond the already existing inequalities in the sport. Um, and it would just definitionally, it would uh, establish a little bit more equity um, between, you know, instead of just everything going to the universities and coaches, you would have a little bit, a little bit of this vast amount of money that's involved in college athletics going to the actual people who are creating the college athletics. There was one. Uh, they also had some potential re- rules, regulation things that they, you know, that they're still working with the working committee. They might consider. So one of them is like, hey, could you sponsor alcohol, tobacco, or gambling? They probably, I think, they want those precluded. Those weren't in there yet, but these are options that they put in there. But this one's interesting. I'm not gonna read them all, but because I, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of story on this. Uh, I interviewed USC's new defensive line coach, and he kind of mentioned, I asked him about how that could impact things. And he he mentioned like, yeah, I mean, if you want to be like an Instagram influencer, would you rather be it? You know, I think we could lo- use being in Los Angeles as a big recruiting tool. And obviously we don't know, but that we think about different things. So I, I made some calls. I talked to this uh, prominent sports marketing guy. And one of the things he mentioned was, that you don't, you know, it's probably going to be mostly the stars, at least in football, that would be getting these kind of deals. But, you know, as a marketing part, like when you're an NBA player, or you're an NFL player, you have like your marketing agent and you talk about deals where, you know, you can sign a good deal. You can walk away from a deal. But he said the worst thing you could do is sign a bad deal. And you might be doing that. You might be penny wise and pound foolish where you're getting some extra money um, to sign something in college that it precludes you, it precludes you from doing something when you're a pro and you could be making a lot. And one specific example, and this is one they put in these potential you know, regulations, athletic shoe companies and apparels excluded, uh, he said, or have limited participation in newly permitted activities due to their history of encouraging and, fac- and facilitating recruiting and other rules and but also I think it's more about if you're a Nike school you're an underarm like UCLA's an Under Armour school what if uh you know DTR was going to get a Nike and he could wear Nike stuff how does that go against it and if you sign a Nike deal when you're in college 
but you could have got a better Under Armour deal later. Like there's, there's a lot of aspects I think to this where some of these guys would have to be smart about what they sign in college because it might hurt you down the road if you become an NFL star or NBA star or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, they will. Um, <laughs> because you are going to run into that where certain star guys might be a little bit silly and sign like a, you know, a 10 year deal with somebody and then they're locked into what was their college freshman deal up through their sixth year in the NFL or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're going to have to be smarter about it. Maybe this will require that these guys also get agents of some sort yeah. or there's some sort you of need a marketing agent for these things a marketing agent i think makes a lot of sense because you can kind of stop you from you know getting into uh bad deals but it's well, what i would like to be see even is, crazier well it would be cool if they could and i don't know how this would work but just thinking about it if there could be some some area where the school itself gets involved and provides that um service to the athletes uh, you know, basically have a a, a collective, um, you know, agency that's part of the school that does a lot of this for the athletes so that they don't have to, you know, get too into the weeds of, like, managing their own brand at 17. Um, but I don't know how deeply the schools are even going to be involved in this. Um, so, but it'll be interesting to see how that gets navigated because I can't see the NCAA being super cool with, you know, private agents having a huge role with athletes who are still going to be in school for like three or four years. I know they've relaxed right. it a little bit with the NBA draft process, um, but I don't know if that's going to work. That's going to really fly for multi-year athletes. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. All the ramifications of this are going to be very, very interesting. And the he, the other thing that the agent I talked to said is about the, you know, paying taxes and stuff. Like what if you're, so what, the Keen Slovis, say he has a huge year and then the following year he signs all these deals or whatever. And he's making a bunch of money on Instagram or whatever. And, uh, go, you know, comes back, he's going to do his, you know, his senior year and he never paid any taxes and he gets like tax evasion or something. And he can't play because of, you know, something like that. Like, I, I mean, there's a lot of, you don't have uh, a player's union to kind of negotiate a lot of stuff that you can do in the NFL um, they don't have that. So there's not really that leadership or that structure around the players. Um, it just opens up a lot of potential for bad things happening. So I, those just, I think those are just all issues that would have to be addressed before this goes into, into effect. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's going to yeah. be fun. It's going to be interesting. And I think wherever we net out is going to be better than where we were right now. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Should we jump into questions? Yeah, so where are we starting? Um, did, was that text? We had a text one on the 28th. Uh, I think we did that one. That was the Yes, we did. Uh, we did We did uh, Manzanar, um, and now we are on to Brennan. Brennan. Okay. I'll you do this. Start, I'll start? read it to okay. you because this is a question for you. Oh. USC draft picks. Uh, this is from Brennan in Kansas. Ah, an international uh, emailer. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, Dave, I put you on this just to see if you'd read this, but this is for Ryan. Here is an Excel sheet of USC's draft picks. Ooh, I love when there's an Excel sheet that we can read. Um, we can't. That's the thing, guys. Uh, here is an Excel sheet of USC's draft picks since 1998. 
if the years aren't correct, I'm sorry in advance. The years may be off because I went from the years they coached, so the draft class following in the NFL may be a part of their numbers, i.e. Lane Kiffin. So please look over this first, Ryan. Are you looking it over, Ryan? Well, I clicked on it, and it asked me for a password, and so, no, I'm, it didn't work, so I'm not looking at it. I'm sorry, Brennan. How did? How is yours looking? I got in. It asked me to enter like a Microsoft password when I clicked on it. Okay, I'm going to read it to everyone. <clears throat> okay. Clay Helton had 15 players drafted. John Robinson had one player drafted since 1998. Okay. Uh, Lane Kiffin, 19. Paul Hackett, 13. Pete Carroll, 60. And Steve Sarkeesian, 10 for a grand total of 118. So Clay Helton has had 15 out of 118 drafted since 1998 uh questions i was just wondering what your thoughts were on the decline over the past decade with draft picks so basically gone from 60 in the what was it nine years of the carroll era it was nine yeah. years right so that was till 2010 was he gone in 2010 yes that was his yes. final year or no 2009 was his the final year right? nine fine. okay yeah so in the basically 10 years since then so carroll 60 and then it went 19 Kiffin, 10 Sark, 15 Helton. So a grand total there of 44. So 60 to 44. That doesn't actually seem that meaningful a decline, but you you give me your thoughts. So Sark was only there a year and a half. So that's, uh, I mean, Hiv's 10, you know, that's basically two classes. Uh, Kiffin had the sanction years and still did better. Uh, Helton had a longer period and has less production with the draft. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, player development. Uh, They also, if you look at their 2016 recruiting class, which was ranked pretty high, it was a top five, I believe. I mean, more than half of that class transferred out. So I think some of it was just, you know, maybe missing on some of the players that you were trying to recruit because they weren't sticking around the program. But player development has been a real big issue. To only have six players drafted over the last two seasons um, that shouldn't happen. I mean, Temple had more players. I think John Wilner pointed that out. Temple had more draft picks over the last two years than USC. Uh, I talked about Utah's, their player development on my UN. One of the USC fans kind of got mad saying that USC beat Utah. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. USC beat Utah last year. They had a lot more players in the NFL over the last couple of years than USC. And I know USC had a small senior class last year, but why was that? I mean, that's on the coaches as well. So yeah, I think it's a. I think it's an issue with less on the recruiting side. That'll that the recruiting side is going to be coming down the road in a couple of years. As far as if there's fewer players drafted, two three years from now, that's going to be the couple of bad recruiting classes USC had. But to me, not having picks this last couple of years has been more about player development and keeping guys that you recruited in the program. Right. If that makes sense. Total sense. That's my take on it. Um, all right. I'm looking at the next one. Let's see. We had, oh, do we have a voicemail? Uh, no, I think this is a notice that my phone uh, number is uh, no longer connected to our, uh, our, our voice number. Gotcha. All right. So we have 2020 outlook is next. I believe another link. We have another link in the email. So people realize we can't read these things on the air, but <laughs> They keep sending them. All right. Hey, fellas. Enjoy listening to the show, and hopefully there will be a 2020 season. We hope so, too. Uh, this link uh, made me think, and you guys 
probably already have this one in the works. Would love to hear your take on North and South teams, maybe two shows, and which teams you feel are ascending, descending, or stagnant, and how you see the standings at the end of the season. Uh, it would be great to have some analysis as to why you think a team is ascending slash descending. Uh, example, returning starters, returning key positions, coaches, 2019, and how they finished, etc. Didn't we already this do may that? Help explo- I kind of think we did. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, but it, it was more like it wasn't as researched as maybe um, James was hoping for. It was uh, it was more like off the cuff, uh, but that's kind of the way we do everything, so I don't know. Uh, this may help explain uh, to explain why David feels Washington will finish second in the North, although they've lost their offensive guru, Chris Peterson, new OC, new DC, no quarterback with significant minutes, possibly two of their best offensive weapons, Hunter and Ahmed. They also uh, they have also lost to Cal two years in a row and will have to play Cal at Berkeley. And contrary to Jackson Moore, there's a lot of optimism for the Bears and not just in recruiting. Should make for an interesting show and possibly have Wilner, Katz, or Bonagora on as a guest. Uh, Fiat Lux and Go Bears. Okay. All right. I, I like what he's saying. Okay, so we sh- maybe we should do a full show on this. Maybe a little bit closer to the non-season that's going to happen? Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> I um, like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's like a real question in here. Is there? Well, we we could do we could just go through the teams and just give our take like our uh, uninformed, unresearched take what we think, and then maybe do a more detailed one where we get one of those guests on and like, hey, which why don't way we why don't are- we critique why don't we critique this stupid article instead of doing that? And by stupid, I mean uh, great. I'm sure it's great, um, but I also let's why don't we just go through this article and see what they say? Okay, uh, let's that? see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a weird one. I remember this. Okay. So he likes this article because they predict Cal to do something. Yeah. You know, I've got to touch on this because um, Ryan Gorsey is writing under a pen name now of David Cobb. (laughs) Um, But this is actually Ryan Gorsey because Cal 11 and one, eight and one wins the Pac-12 North. Uh, Yeah. Seems a little optimistic. Uh, Seems a little bit, a little bit high. In several ways. Yeah. Ryan Gorsey was saying, you know, you check yourself after seeing this, but that's fine. You know, uh, they only loss he predicts would be at USC. So okay. I like Cal. Uh, I don't like 11 and one Cal, but I mean, I, I, I guess it's in the realm of possibility, but that seems a little aggressive. Yeah. A little, little aggressive. All right. Uh, Comes in next with Oregon at ten and two, eight and one in conference, with a loss at Cal as well as Ohio State. I think this seems fair, ten and two ish. Yeah, I, I'd I'd go somewhere in the nine and three to ten and two range, probably. Um, I, I'm I don't know about quarterback and I don't know about um, offensive line. Those are the two semi question marks for me, and that's enough to give them two to three losses. Yeah, there's a lot of talent well, on that squad though. There is. Uh, so if we're going to do the ascending thing, I would say Cal is ascending. I just wouldn't say ascending to 11 and one uh, Oregon. I would say uh, is staying the same. What, what was his terminology but the, for but that? This is, I mean, this is still ascendant. It's an ascendant program. I mean, they just won the Rose bowl and they're going to have another elite year this year. I mean, 
And I'm calling like nine and three and seven and two in conference pretty close to an elite year. So okay, so that you could still say that they're sending them. All right, that's fine. Yeah. I was just saying it'd be about the same as last year. So I don't yeah, know but I don't want to call them stagnant. Okay. Because there's only so All much right. room to go up after a certain point. Yeah. Um, Washington, Washington, eight and four, six and three losses, Michigan at Oregon at Cal at USC. I, mean, I can see that feels right. Uh, and that feels stagnant. I would say stagnant, but uh, could you say, cause you have to change coaches. Could it be ascending? I don't know. Like if you, but Washington's eh, just a complete unknown. Sure. I mean, they, their their analytical numbers have been generally better than I think their records the last couple of years, especially. Um, I, I think their offense was a big limiting factor um, the last two years. Maybe Jimmy Lake's changes there um, with John Donovan. Maybe that's enough to kind of break through the awkward and awful conservative offense that they've been running. I don't know, um, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's they're they're resetting uh, a little bit, um, and so I don't know if it's fair to call them stagnant, but probably not. You probably couldn't just say they're ascending still at this moment. No, I mean that was an eight and four team. You know, lose a bowl game, whatever. I think I think you're yeah. Even if they win the bowl game, they go like nine and four. It's still I think that'd still be stagnant for right now. Uh, Stanford, this article has it six and six, four and five with losses to USC at Notre Dame, Washington State at Oregon, at Washington and at Cal. Uh, Stanford's obviously descending. And I think this might even be a little optimistic for their record. Um, we'll yeah. see. Agree with you 100 percent on that one. I would say descending and probably going to have a losing record. Not six and six would be my guess. But. Yeah. Oregon State, five and seven, three and six in conference, losses at Oklahoma State, Arizona State at home, at Washington, Cal at home, at Stanford, at Utah, Oregon at home. Um I I, I would I'll need to get more into like kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the schedules. This doesn't feel completely wrong. I mean, I, I look at all those teams and yeah, they could all beat Oregon State. I would still say the Oregon State program is ascending under Jonathan Smith. Um some obvious signs that he's getting that thing put together correctly. Um, we'll see how they do in this post Jake Luton era. Um, but I, I saw enough signs from just how that offense, just how it's put together to make me think there's not going to be all that much drop off. And there are flashes defensively that they're figuring it out too. Um, that pass rush started to look pretty nice towards the end of the year. Um, I, I think they could surprise a little bit this year, but I would still say even if they end up five and seven, I would still call it an ascending program. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Then Washington State, three and nine, one and eight in conference is the projection here. Um, basically just the wins over Houston, Idaho, and Stanford all at home, losses to everyone else. I see, I kind of think I think Washington State would probably be stagnant. This looks like it would be seriously descending. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of optimistic with uh Nick Rolovich, but I, I wouldn't say the declining program, but who knows? Yeah, I wouldn't say so either. I would say much more likely to be stagnant. I think, you know, whenever you're doing one of these projection articles, if you're doing it right, you're like mapping out all the wins and losses and you've got to pick a couple that are out there. He made the great sacrifice to pick Cal 11 and one. So somebody has to be the, uh, the negative beneficiary of that. And that's uh, that's Washington State. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, and then the Pac-12 South. He's got USC taking it, ten and two, eight and one, with losses Alabama at Oregon. Um, could be. Um, this is a Clay Helton coach squad, so it probably won't be, but certainly yeah. could be based on talent alone. I think the Notre Dame game you'd probably put in the loss column, and then you'd have to fight off the some of the other programs. Uh, I think. I think this is probably a little optimistic. I, I think nine wins is more realistic in the regular season for USC, but um, I would kind of put them in the stagnant category. I mean, you, I mean, I guess coming off five and seven, I don't know, but I, I just, I think you'd have to make a significant jump. I'm not going to give them ascending until you're like going to beat an Oregon or a Notre Dame. So if they beat like Notre Dame and lose to Alabama and Oregon, I, I think you could give them ascending 10 and two. Would, I think it's more realistic that they kind of lose to the really good teams on their schedule and then, and beat everybody else. And it's hard to say you're ascending if that's what you're doing. Yeah, I kind of agree. I kind of agree with that. All right, then ASU, uh, 7, 5, 5, and 4 uh, with losses. BYU at USC, Cal at Oregon, at Arizona. That feels like a little much. I don't think ASU's losing that much. Yeah, I, I think ASU's ascending, and I don't. I think they're going to win more than seven games. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think this is a little pessimistic for the Sun Devils. Uh, Utah, 8-4, and 5-4 and four with losses at Cal, USC, Washington, and at Arizona State. This feels actually a, a bit optimistic for me. Utah is one of the most well-coached programs in the country, um, but they are losing quite a bit uh, from last year. So I don't, I don't know about this one. I'd have them more like in the 7-5, and five, maybe even 6-6 six and six range. Yeah, I think 7-5 <laughs> is a good target but I, I could see eight and four uh i mean it's still because it's a well-coached team they develop players um you can you know pr- replace some of that production that was lost i wouldn't you know count them out for something like an eight or even a nine win season but i think it's you know with i think asu and usc are going to be ahead of them this year so uh this this seems about right maybe like like you said maybe seven and seven and five too uh, UCLA six and six and three and six in conference losses uh, against Stanford at ASU, Utah at Oregon State, USC and at Cal. I'll tell you on its face, this is absurd because it has UCLA sweeping the non-conference, um, which would give uh, Chip Kelly um, three more wins in the non-conference, which is um, three more total than his zero that he has now. Um do you think he's going to screw up his perfect non-conference record with this? I think he will screw up his perfect non-conference record with at least one win, but I can't imagine it's going to be 3-0. and um, So I would still probably have UCLA at 4-8, and something like that, maybe 5-7, and uh, but 6-6 six and six is way too, way too much, way too rich for my blood. I don't mind the six and six as much. I would still say it's kind of a stagnant program. I'm not seeing, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think it's going to make this huge stride forward. There, there'll be some weird losses it's descending it's 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 descending further and further in the muck of mediocrity because look if you're in year three of a coach um the natural thing should be that you're moving up a little bit like you should be moving up a little bit no matter what you've got your continuity of players the whole thing stagnant would be getting to six and six this year um if you're just continuously bumping into the bottom of what ucla is capable of which is what this is like the, about the worst you can do at UCLA is three and nine. 
Like, that's about as bad as you can be, given how easy it is to get players there. So to consistently just be bumping into that, like four and eight, three and nine, four and eight, uh, you're 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 at the bottom. You can't actually go much worse than that. So, yeah, this is still a descending program. Uh, Arizona, uh, he has at four and eight, two and seven uh, with uh, wins against Hawaii, Portland State, Colorado and ASU might be too much. They could definitely yeah. lose to ASU, um, but this feels right enough. Descending. I, yeah, I think you got to go descending, and it, it feels close. I, I just don't know. I just don't know what to expect. It just feels like it feels like a program that it needed to have some turnover and didn't, you know, and that it, it just seemed like this wasn't going to be the right fit. Uh, you're seeing it. You know, maybe you get a little spark now that you're, you know, the the star player that just didn't seem to fit what Kevin Sublin and, and Noel Mazzoni were doing. He's gone, and now, um, you know, a new era is, is upon us, and it, and things are just going to get better. I don't know. Like, it's hard to, to predict, you know, the addition by subtraction. This is, this is going to be better now uh, that you have, like, a you know, it's, it's more about, you know, Grant Gunnell going forward and uh, not wait wait what do you say you say Gunnell or Gunnell was I forget which one you Gunnell Gunnell oh so Gunnell is the the correct uh, correct one um, no yeah no. I mean Gunnell Gunnell is the correct one Ryan maybe this that's what you needed you just needed to like get all like some of the distractions out of there this is the direction the offense is going to go forward with and. Maybe it's better. It's just hard to predict something like that. So I, I don't know. This is one of those ones I'm just confused on, and we'll see what Arizona is able to do. And then Colorado rounding out the group at three and nine, one and eight uh, wins at Colorado State, Fresno State, and Washington State. So only one conference win predicted here in this CBS Sports article uh, written by Ryan Gorsey for uh, the <laughs> Buffaloes. Um, that seems low, but. Maybe right. It's hard to know. It's really hard to know because it's a new head coach. You just don't have any feel for it. They seem to be hitting their stride a little bit more at the end of last year. So I would be optimistic and say they're going to be a little bit better than that. But it's just, yeah, we just, we have no idea what the make of this team is going to even be. I kind of think this is going to be right. Um, You know, I I know that Colorado hired one of the. How'd you do on your Colorado prediction last year? It's pretty good. Uh, they didn't make a bowl. Uh, I said they go win two games. How many did they win? They win five. Is that right? I think they go six. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they, that was coaching turnover. Then you got coaching turnover now. Now I think Mel Tucker brought in some better players and you bring in one of the top two or three all time UCLA head coaches in history. Right. And Carl Durrell, you bring in a, a UCLA coaching legend. He's one of the UCLA but, coaches in history. Yes, he's he, one of he them. Is. Uh, the problem is, I'm going to be even more pessimistic on new coaches in 2020 because of the lack of preparation you're going to be able to do. It's is it better to be Kevin Sublin that even though things were dysfunctional, but been there and everyone knows what to do, as opposed to Carl Durrell who. Hasn't really been in coaching for a while, and you got to you know get things going. Uh, I I think that's going to be tougher uh, in this coronavirus era 
for him to get to know his players, get them to buy into his philosophies, all of that stuff. Uh, I, I know they bring back the strength and conditioning coach. So at least you have some continuity there. But I don't mind being this pessimistic on any of the new coaches. Maybe part of the reason why this article was pessimistic about Nick Rolovich and, uh, and Washington State, and that's, I think that's fair. So I, I think this is a probably a, a good, you know, maybe it's a two and seven in conference, three and nine overall. But yeah, that's, uh, I mean, he has wins over Fresno State, uh, wins over Washington State and Colorado State. Like I could see all those games being losable. Um, you know, they play at Texas A&M, like that's definitely a loss. So yeah, I, I think three and nine is probably somewhat realistic for Colorado this year. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll Brennan see. sent us a revised sheet that I, I honestly, I don't see any discernible difference between it and the previous sheet. So I don't know, Brennan. He asked the same question in this email. So I'll anyway. let me look if I can. No, see no. That I mean, it, it, it is it is the exact same sheet. So maybe he added another tab. Oh, he added another tab. I don't know why it's asking you for a password, man. I didn't have to punch in a password. Yeah. It asked me for one, so That's a bunch who of knows? Absolute bullshit. Um, yeah, I think uh, uh, all thoughts previous are still valid. Um, I'll read this next one, too. Uh, okay. This is from uh, Choney19. Please include me in the Zoom podcast. Hello, guys. I'd love to be included in the Zoom podcast on May 7th. Please use this email address to send the invite. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right, Choney19. We're excited to have you. Um, I, my secretary I will be will it. be sure to email you. I just emailed you as we were talking. All right. Uh, and we got Jake. Hello, David and Ryan. Now that the POC has been backsliding into a sprawling discussion of American presidents, I shall humbly submit President Dwight D. Eisenhower for your Political sympathies are with Ryan. I will try and pitch the Eisenhower presidency, presidency to David on his terms. Somehow progressives have mastered the ability to maneuver traditionalists into always being the ones who have to supplicate first for an attempt at building consensus. If only that were true, we Jake. If only, if only that were true. Very true, Jake. Uh, what? After holding together the Anglo Franklin, I'm sorry, Anglo Franco American coalition required to defeat the Third Reich and Mussolini's fascist regime in Italy, Eisenhower successfully implemented his presidential campaign promise to bring an end to hostilities in the Korean War. He did so within six months of assuming the Oval Office as the armistice pausing the Korean War was signed on July 27th, 1953, and is still in effect. So he ended the war quickly. Uh, President Eisenhower administration fully implemented the racial desegregation of the U.S. military, which President Truman had begun. Desegregation is good, David. Uh, similar to what you admired about Ulysses S. Grant administration, in 1957, President Eisenhower deployed soldiers from the 101st Airborne Division to enforce racial desegregation in Little Rock, Arkansas, and simultaneously reasserted the primary, I'm sorry, the primacy of federal power over the state national guards. Uh, so he puts an order here. President Eisenhower issued Executive Order 10730, which put the Arkansas National Guard under federal authority and sent 1,000 U.S. Army troops from the 101st Airborne Division to Little Rock to maintain order at Central High School desegregated. 
Uh, all right. It's cool for him. Uh, under the, his administration, the USA experienced solid, uh, so the, the United States experienced solid economic growth with relatively high levels of personal income taxation and less statistical inequality compared with the 70 years since. I realize that Eisenhower comes across as implementing those measure, or these measures more reluctantly than, for example, JFK or LBJ, but we should not let the absence of virtual signing, I'm, six, I'm sorry, virtual signaling minimize meaningful outcomes. As an aside, you both have the potential for a crossover episode with another podcast called, quote, American Presidential Rankium. Uh, the entire purpose of that podcast series is to rank all the American presidents according to the same criteria. Could be fun. Woof. From six feet away while wearing my mask from Jake. Jake must be one of the quarterbacks up in Washington. Yeah, he's got to be a quarterback. All Jakes in Washington have been drafted into uh, quarterbacking. Um, he makes some valid points about Eisenhower. So Eisenhower, um, when we were going through my list, um, where I've, I think I've narrowed it down to basically one good president. Um, but I did say there were right. like eight to 10 others who are in that like passable, like fine category. And then the rest are just absolute cretins. Eisenhower is definitely in the passable to fine and probably at the upper end of that. If there are critiques of Eisenhower, um, so what he implied about virtue signaling, one of the things about the presidency is you are essentially the moral leader of the country. Um, you do have to provide some level of, I mean, I, I guess it's now called virtue signaling, which is just the dumbest, just absolute dumbest term. But part of the thing is you do provide moral leadership. Like one of the things is you're supposed to provide an example to the country. Um, not being more vocally um, anti-racial uh, segregation, uh, not being more vocally opposed to Joseph McCarthy um, and the uh, and you know the, the Red Scare stuff. Um, these were issues with Eisenhower's presidency, and I think they were they're valid issues. Um, they're not you know completely gonna outweigh his his very good stuff, and I think the fact that he had the um, Integrity and understanding of the stability of the country to continue and even expand uh, certain New Deal policies, even though they went against kind of mainstream, even then Republican thought, I thought was a very good thing about Eisenhower. Um, one thing you would definitely say is he was an integrity. Integ what is the word I'm looking for? He had some integrity. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that's generally um, a good thing and uh, should be, um, you know, talked about fondly. Um, not completely diffusing the Cold War and, in fact, you know, escalating it a bit. Not so great. Uh, he did have one of the finer messages after his presidency about the military industrial complex, which we have um, not heeded since then, which is cool. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I would say he's probably top 10, somewhere in that range. I don't think I would have oh, him okay. number one, but uh, definitely top 10. Nice. So if any of you out there have a president, you know, favorite president, you feel David slighted, just get, bring some facts and he might, uh, you know, you might win him over. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's some obvious ones that you can make your arguments for. I mean, most of the founding fathers, you can make either a semi-mythological or actual based in facts, um, you know, case for, and it's hard to dispute. Um, and then there's the ones that are just unconscionable, absolute, you know, heinous, cretinous assholes, um, like Ronald Reagan, where you couldn't make a case for him if you tried. No. Um, 
And so it's just, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Um, like James K. Polk, like you can make your case that he massively expanded the country, but he's also, you know, a bloodthirsty maniac. So what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Come with your come with your takes. Come with your hottest takes. I want to see the best, most expansive defense of Ronald Reagan. I want that coming yeah, in. Yeah. Someone do that for me, please. Just yeah, send it in. Yeah, and, no. Send the let, heat. Let, yeah. Send the heat. Yeah. And we'll have, a, we'll have we'll have a 40 minute show about Ronald Reagan. Um, <laughs> all right. You ready for the day? Yes. All right. This looks I'm I'm going to say a Japanese word. I was going to go Japanese, but I don't. Let me Google it real quick and see. Um, OK, not you want to try this. Not Japanese. It just kind of looks it. Kuiagatu, uh, which is a Utah landmark. The oh, bear's so this ears. Is probably so maybe a Native American kind of thing. I guess the Bears Ears bears? National Monument is that what we're talking yeah. about here? That's what it looks like. That's oh, what, the first thing that comes up on Hitler Day. Hitler Day throwing us throwing us a curveball here. So, All right, when here does we go. He not? He's always throwing us a curveball. All right, Las Vegas is setting Utah's win total over-under at 8.5, and UCLA is at 5.5. Do you boys think a three-win differential makes sense for the state of these two programs? I don't think schedule is the difference. FPI ranks both of their schedules as virtually tied as the absolute softest in the Power Five, and it's not hard to see why. They're in the Pac-12 South, neither plays a Power Five opponent out of conference, and both miss Oregon while getting USC at home. For Utah, it's a Friday night game. I'm sure Ryan's already written it off. If anything, UCLA has it easier, since they miss Washington while Utah misses Stanford. I would have figured that Utah's comparatively massive personnel issues would have evened these programs out. Sure, Utah develops players better by the time they're seniors, but when they've been paired back to just the recruits and transfers, shouldn't UCLA's raw talent advantage and returning veterans set them on roughly the same footing? Is this just Vegas voicing their confidence levels in the two staffs, or is there some key roster difference I'm missing? Um, I don't think he's missing much. I, I, I tend to agree with Athlete here. I don't think the gap between the two programs, even if you're just assessing the coaching staffs right now, should be three wins. Um, UCLA's schedule is pretty soft. The talent on the team, such as it is, is starting to age up into like juniors. Um and Utah just lost a bunch of guys. Um, better staff and everything. I would still have their win total higher. I would probably have Utah's set at like six and a half. And I'd have UCLA's set at eh, five, five and a half. Um, but I think Utah's is set a little too high. Um, UCLA's feels more right to me. Um, but that's kind of my assessment of it. Uh, I think uh, probably a little bit overrating the continuity for Utah. Just, you know, having a coach who's very good and not taking a long enough look at, at what they're replacing production-wise. Yeah, I mean, I still think, you know, Utah is going to be probably at least two games better than UCLA, and maybe I could see three. That's fine. Um, but, you know, what David was saying, I, 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 it's hard for me to pick UCLA being much better than 6-6. Six and six. I could easily see Utah being much better than 6-6. Six and six. So... I know they lost a lot, but Hitler Day seems to be really focused on what's coming back and all the time where there's they've developed those players along the way. There's more players there. Uh, they've I think they've recruited better. Uh, I, I'm not going to be that pessimistic towards uh, Utah. 
And while UCLA, there's going to be some raw talent there, they haven't recruited all that well. So we'll see. I think this could be a big year. If UCLA and Chip Kelly is going to work, I think you got to be, you know, significant improvement this year. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then it just I'm not going to be very bullish on the Bruins, uh, you know, until they do something else to head coach or he changes his philosophy. Cause like what uh, David complained about, just doesn't seem like what he's doing is working right now. It's not. That's why it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Well, Kyle Whittingham, what he's doing is working. So I'm going to put more eggs in that basket than the, the CLA one. So, yeah, I would put all of my eggs in that basket. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Hitler day issue though, I have is this. He did not say anything about the meetup. He didn't say, yeah, guys, I wouldn't be caught dead going to your Zoom meeting or hey, I'll see you guys there. He just said nothing. He ignored it, even though we've called him out many times about this and he hasn't said and, anything about it. And we know for a fact he listens to the show at least four times every episode every week. Yeah. I feel like he listens to it before we even put it up. He knows what's going on. He's listening right now. Yes. As we're Tapped talking. In. I replied to his email. Right now. Yeah. I replied to he his does. email with a link to the Zoom. So he has it. So he's been sent it. We All want to right. hear from you one way or the other, Hitler. We want to know. Are you in? Are you out? What are the or odds? Show your I, face. What, you... let's, let's do this right now. What are the odds I show up for this Zoom? Um, I mean, I'm... I'm going about 60%. I think you're going to be there. But that's why I had a backup plan. So I created a backup plan on Binance to you because I knew you might not show up. <laughs> what's what's the backup plan? I, I just I can't tell you because you might not show up. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a backup plan. You have but a yes, backup. There, I, I bet you do. I do, I bet you I do. do not. I do not. No, it would just be me hosting by myself, basically, which I'm prepared to do uh, if you bail. So. Is your backup plan having shots available so you can just get very drunk like, as soon as yes. it's apparent that I'm not arriving? And I'm trying to get Zoom to play play us, play the call at half speed so we all sound drunk. That'd be good. That'd be very cool. That'd be great. And if we if we can't do that, we just all have to get drunk. Then it's fine. If I can't technically do it, we'll just have to like physically get drunk. It's gonna be great. I'm excited. I'm gonna be uh I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. I'm going to be there. I would yeah. set my own personal likelihood of attending at 84%. That's pretty good. That's pretty That's good. That's as certain as um, things get when you're a parent of young children. Yeah. Because if you ask David, like, what's your percentage of living through the day? He'd probably say 75%. So this is – so you, he's, he's really it is, optimistic. It is never higher than 94%, <laughs> ever, <laughs> under any circumstances. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, hopefully talk to all you guys in person on Zoom uh, May 7th, 6 p.m. Check it out, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to that, me and hopefully David, too. <laughs> you think you'll come? Uh, I think I'll right. be there. Well, yeah, why not? Uh, hold on, it's an interesting show. Uh, we got some interesting topics. Keep sending those questions, and uh, we appreciate all that. That is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you Thursday, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.